Welcome to the Magic Time Podcast, proudly brought to you by Firm Foundation Media. Good afternoon and welcome to another episode of the Magic Time Podcast. I'm Scott Squires and a real treat for you this afternoon as we've got the first ever player actually that was signed by the Moncton Magic in the offseason. He's a two-time defensive player of the year in the NBL. He's nearing an amazing triple accomplishment of 1,000 points, 1,000 assists, and he's two rebounds away from 1,000 rebounds. Joining me is Al Stewart. How you doing, Al? I'm doing pretty good. How you doing today? I'm doing great. Glad to finally get a chance to have you on the program. <laughs> I've wanted to have a chance to uh, to have a chat with you on the podcast for quite a while. So I know it's a busy week. I know you're getting ready for uh, a trip up to Halifax this week. So I really appreciate you taking time to uh, to have a chat. Oh, no problem at all. So. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the basketball side of Al Stewart in just a little bit, but uh, certainly there's a lot more to Al Stewart than uh, simply what takes place on the basketball court. And anybody who listens to our Moncton Magic broadcasts will certainly hear myself and Dave Tingley uh, refer to the fact that you are a native of Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. Maybe just a little bit, Al, about uh, your memories and your recollections of, uh, of being a kid growing up in and around Chicago. Mm-hmm. Well, um, like I said, I'm from Chicago, born and raised. Um, um, growing up, I was pretty much into every sport. Growing up in Chicago, uh, I was like, you know, coming from coming from out of school programs and in elementary school. My uh, mom used to send us to the park districts, and we used to just, you know, they had like, you know, a field house where they had like gymnastics, boxing, wrestling, every every sport that you know pretty much is in the city, and. Um, and I pretty much participated in everything. Uh, so I was always a, an energetic, athletic kid growing up. I was the oldest of my siblings, so I was kind of leading by example. And I kind of like did what I followed my older cousins and my younger siblings followed me. Uh, so I was kind of into everything, you know, being a, being a little kid, <laughs> like you say. Um, and uh, I didn't start playing basketball until I was maybe in grade seven, though. Now, Al, knowing you like I do now, as a as a young man in your thirties, and seeing how energetic you are. I can only imagine how much energy you would have had as a kid. Did your parents kind of want to get you involved in sports, maybe to help you burn off some of that energy? Are you talking about when I was? Are you saying when I was younger? <laughs> yeah, when you were younger, I I, like, you've got so man, much energy now. What, you must have been like <laughs> times more energetic when you were a kid. What was that like? Oh, uh, but I think you know, growing up in Chicago, you can just get into any, any, and everything. Uh, believe me, it was. I wasn't the only one with the energy growing up in the neighborhood. It was a lot of us. Uh, us boys, you know, just running around, just getting into all type of things. Uh, so I wasn't the only one with the energy, uh, but I think it's, you know, it's it, the leadership stuck with me because I was always one of the ones saying, let's go do this, let's go do that. Even though I was somewhat of the quiet one as well, I could still be like that sometimes, you know, whether people, let, uh, believe it or not. Um, but I was always a leader. I always leader, like, you know, I'm going to just, I'm going to try this first. I'm going to try this first. I'm going to be a guinea pig and try this first. And um, so I was just, you know, into every sport, like I said, everything, you know. So it just, it just, you know, it just stuck with me. You know, I'm still the same type of guy, the same person. You know, I'm a little older. I'm still the same person. 
Now you said you didn't get into basketball till you were probably like in in uh, middle school, like grade seven ish. But before that, what was your favorite sport? What was your favorite thing to play before basketball? Um, I would say I don't think I had a favorite. I think I was just enjoy doing everything. I don't think I really had a favorite sport. But I think the thing was when I when I when I was able to play basketball, that became my favorite sport. Everything else was just fun. And I actually fell in love with basketball because I didn't know how to play basketball at all. And once I felt like I learned how to play, it became my favorite. I kind of stopped doing everything else. Actually, you know what? I think my second favorite, honestly, was, was probably baseball. Okay. It's probably baseball. Yeah, I I, I I kind of think about it a little more. I did play baseball a lot more than other sports. And then when I found basketball, I kind of like play baseball a little bit, just a little bit here and there. And I, and I kind of play basketball a whole lot more. Now, I got to I gotta ask you, what uh, what position did you like to play in baseball? Were you like a middle infielder guy, a pitcher, outfielder? Yeah, I was a shortstop. I was a shortstop because I was always the fastest one. <laughs> I was always the fastest one. I was the fastest. So I actually wanted to play everything. Like, I wanted to play everything. Uh, every every the first base, second base, you know, I was pretty good at first base as well too. I was pretty good at first base. Uh, but I feel like shortstop because I was always a fan, so they wanted to be the runner. So now you mentioned uh, your siblings. Uh, I know that we were talking before we actually came on the podcast, but uh, I believe you said you're the oldest, and you've got four mm-hmm. brothers and four sisters. Uh, what are their names? I, I, I have I have four brothers, and I have two sisters. Two sisters, right? Okay. Yeah, four brothers and two sisters. My uh, my sister's name is is Gabrielle. My, my my sister's name is Gabrielle. My other sister's name is Jayla. My brother's names are Anthony, Darrell, Amir, and Jamil. Now, if you had to pick the next best athlete in your family besides you, between your brothers and sisters, who would it be? Oh, uh, my brother. My brother's 18-year-old. He actually uh, graduated from high school this year, and he uh, he got a, a full athletic scholarship to play uh, at a university for football. Wow. And uh, I'm not okay. sure what school. I forgot what he told me. He just told me a few days ago what he's committing to. But uh, he's going to play football, full athletic uh, scholarship. Jeez, that's pretty big news for sure. He must be pretty proud. <laughs> yeah, I am. I, and he's actually taller than me. He's like probably the tall. Me and my other brothers, we're about the same height, but he's like 6'2". <laughs> you know my dad, so he's like six two. That's me and my family. I'm the youngest of five kids, but I'm the tallest. Cornbread. So now Oh really? You you moved on from um middle school and you uh obviously went into high school in the Chicago area. Maybe just a little bit about your high school and what your athletic career was like in high school. Um my high school, um I went to two different high schools actually. My first year it was a pretty popular high school in Chicago. Actually, both of them was. This one, the first one I went to, but the, was a pretty popular one. Um, they actually filmed documentaries on the school. It's, uh... Hello. Yeah, we still got you, Al. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, they filmed a documentary on the school of a few high school players before my time. Called uh, The film is called Hoop Dreams. It's called Hoop Dreams. If anybody can Google that, it's actually a, a very good documentary on a high school player from Chicago, from Marshall High School. The high school name was Marshall High School. I went there my first year. Um, but um, that's when um, I kind of got into, like, you know, a little trouble. Not, you know, 
jail trouble, but like, you know, stop going to classes and not, you know, keeping up with my grades because all my friends were there. So it's easy to get into things like that. Um, and I decided up on myself, if I want to continue to play basketball and, you know, continue this as a career, I have to leave the school. So I actually transferred and went to another high school called Manly Career Academy. And, um, you know, I was good there. You know, got my grades up, played, you know, varsity all three years, and uh, graduated from there in 2002 and went on to college. So I had a very good high school career. Now, from high school, especially when you're an athlete, then you start thinking about, you know, what you want to do going into mm-hmm. college. What was kind of your decision-making, and, and what was your path after you left Manly Academy? You know what, as far as academic-wise, I was very good at computers. I was very good at computers. But um, when I went to a community college my first year, they didn't have the major um, that, I, that I wanted, so I ended up just going into um, to business. I ended up going to business. Uh, and it was pretty hard. It was pretty tough. It was pretty tough. But um, I got through my first year, my first two years, actually, at community college, and then I transferred over to a university. I'm sorry, a university. Well, I went to Drake University, and then my major became sociology. So that was pretty interesting. Coaches and society, learned a lot of things about that. And I took a lot of business courses as well, along with criminal justice. I learned a lot of whole lot of whole lot of um education courses, a whole lot of criminal justice things, as well as sociology. So I had all that kind of tie into each other. So how and did so you I graduated tie all there with my How did you tie all that I, in? That sounds like a pretty busy course load. How did you tie all that in? I mean, you hear all the time when you talk to student athletes about balancing the academic side and the athletic side. I mean, you're, so you're doing all this academics, you're playing basketball for the Drake Bulldogs. How, as a young man, were you able to balance all that out? Oh, it was so difficult. The reason why it was so difficult for me, because honestly, in high school, you can kind of do enough, right? You can do enough to get by, maintain your grade point average, and maintain enough to stay eligible to play basketball, right? And when you get to college, that's a whole different program. You literally have to maintain a higher grade point average as well to, to, to play any academic sport, uh, athletic sport, I mean. And um, so basically we had to get tutoring, extra tutoring, study tables. You pretty much, you know, busy from the morning to the night every day. Um, when you're on a roll for games, teachers really didn't, didn't, didn't care if you what kind of, you know, top player you were, they wanted, they wanted you to get the grades, right? So I, had, I constantly had to get help. I had to get help, you know, 24-7 almost. Um, it was tough. It was tough. Sleepless nights, you know, a lot of stress. But, I mean, if you want to do it, you have, you have to make it work. And that's what I did. I had a lot of help. I wasn't ashamed to ask for help. Teachers, extracurricular activities, you know, uh, extra credit work, I, I got it all done. And, and, and here I am today. Well, you know something, Al? That's a really good message. I mean, I have a 19-year-old son, and I tell him the same thing. Don't ever be too shy or ashamed to ask for help no matter what it is. So, obviously, that was something that really helped you was to be able to ask for help. Uh, big time. I mean, I found, I found out a lot of people, you know, ashamed and embarrassed. That was one thing I never was. I never was ashamed and embarrassed by anything, you know. It's a lot of things we don't get in life, a lot of things that we need help with. So, why not ask somebody who actually knows what they're doing? <laughs> so, that's what it was. It took me to ask questions. I always ask questions, things like that. So, well, when you, when you back, and when you look back at your time uh, at Drake, obviously, uh, you know, it's a pretty well-known university. 
a high level of basketball there. What would be a couple of highlights, either team-wise or personally for you during your time playing for Drake? Um, I think going to Alaska. <laughs> we played we played in the Alaska shootout um, at Drake. And, and the crazy thing was when we played there, it was only like four hours of daylight. So it was, it was pretty difficult with the sleeping pattern as a team. Um, and then actually we had we had a study group out there too. We supposed to be playing basketball. We had study study table, things like that. So it was pretty much like I said, it was ongoing books and basketball, ongoing books and basketball. So that was the most interesting thing I think. Even though you're on a roll, you still have to have study table, and it was difficult. It was very difficult. But you got to understand schoolwork. You got to understand plays and things like that. So it was a lot. It was a lot. I think we could almost do a documentary on you and, and call it Books and Basketball. That might be interesting in itself, Al. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Books and Basketball. Like, yeah, okay. So once, once you got through your collegiate career and then you started looking at next options for basketball and, you know, with, with anybody that has a passion for whatever sport they're playing, and in your case, basketball, you want to keep playing – what was kind of the next few moves for you once you were finished with your post-secondary career? You know, you get out of university and then you're looking to go somewhere else. What was kind of the next couple of years like for you? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Can you repeat the last part again? Yeah. Just once, once you got out of Drake and once you moved on, what was the next couple of years mm-hmm. for you like in terms of trying to pursue basketball at the next level? Oh, I mean, once you, once you leave college or leave, actually leave high school, you're an adult now. You're out of your mom's house. <laughs> so once college was over with, it's time for me to pay my own bills now, right? <laughs> I have to find that, you know, if I want to pursue this basketball, I have to make the best choice for me. Um, it was difficult at first, but I had a great supporting cast. My mom, my, you know, my grandmothers, my older cousins, they, you know, they was, they was following me on my journey. Some of the coaches, you know, here and there. And it, Excuse me, they started to reach out to other coaches and things like that, you know, give me a job overseas and things like that. I didn't go overseas my first year because I was kind of like, you know, I don't want to go over here. I'm, I'm kind of like nervous. You know, I want to stay home in the States and play. <laughs> and I think, I don't know if that, you know, hurting me or helped me, you know, because a lot of people go overseas and so they get down with college. I had some overseas offers, but I chose to, you know, stay home and, and play. I played in the ABA, American Basketball Association, and, um, and, um, in um, New York, actually. And um, and after that, my path just kind of took off from there. I kind of like, you know, just jumped around here and there. So, um, but it was difficult. It was difficult at first, but I mean, I'm pretty patient and it kind of worked out. And Al, you've had a wonderful career um, in basketball professionally and certainly in Canada. You're part of the National Basketball League of Canada now, of course, with the Moncton Magic. But you've had time with a couple of different teams. Uh, you're certainly familiar with Coach Joe Salerno, and I mentioned it off the top. But uh, what an achievement that you're getting close to a thousand points, a thousand assists, and only two rebounds away from being a thousand rebound player. And uh, right behind your teammate Anthony Anderson, you will be only the second player in the history of the National Basketball League of Canada to have that triple of a thousand points, thousand assists, thousand rebounds. What has allowed you, Al, to have the success that you've had uh, in professional basketball, certainly uh, in uh, the NBL? I think the number one thing that allowed me is because I've always remained healthy. 
I've always remained healthy. Um, I think I can only remember one one season that I got injured. I I sprained my MCL. It's just a sprain. Uh, maybe about 2013, I believe. Um, I sprained my MCL, and then I sprained my left ankle pretty bad. So my left leg was pretty weak. But um, I sprained it, so I was out maybe like two months, I believe. Maybe maybe I'll say five weeks probably. And then I, you know, rehabbed that back to um, 200%. And then I sprained my ankle maybe like two weeks after that. So I was out for another 20 and a half weeks. And uh, that was my first time being injured in my life, like in my entire basketball. I had, like, you know, a couple sprained fingers, you know, a couple sprained ankles. But, you know, you bounce back from those pretty fast. And um, that's one thing about me. I, I really don't like injuries. I don't like anything that's nagging on me. So I get anything that happens to me, I get it taken care of, like ASAP. So I think my health is – helped me get this far in life, especially in this career of professional basketball, because you see a lot of players get hurt um, and they career end early. Um, or some players are hurt and they don't really fix the problem. You know, they kind of let it just, you know, linger on. But that's one thing I've never done. I've always fixed things, you know, quickly as I get them. So that, that's a big part of my success, I think, is remaining healthy, remaining healthy. Well, there's no doubt about uh, the fact that your health has helped your longevity, but you're a, you're a darn good ball player now. I mean, let's you know some of the things that you have achieved uh, just in the National Basketball League of Canada. You were an All Star in 2013. Uh, you're a two-time NBL Canada All Defensive Team, uh, two-time as we like to call you on the broadcast. Two times, you're two-time <laughs> Canada Defensive Player of the Year. You were the PBL Co-Defensive Player of the Year back in 2009. So obviously, you're very well known for. Mm-hmm. We like to talk about how good your hands are on defense and how good mm-hmm. you are. But again, 1,000 points, 1,000 assists. Mm-hmm. Would you prefer to be known as a defensive player, or do you think sometimes that your offense gets overlooked a little? Um, I think, you know, learning how to play basketball, I've always loved defense. I've always loved defense, but I think maybe my – in my, 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 my last year in university and maybe going into my first year in pro, I realized I can actually score the ball a lot more than people gave me credit for, um, which is fine with me, you know, because they don't, I don't mind surprises. You know, if people feel like I can't score and I, you know, prove them wrong, I'm not going to showboat it, you know. But um, I think my offense also comes from my defense as well. If I feel like I can play good defense, my offense will come. And that's how I've always been. Um, a lot of people have been slept, you know, kind of sleep on on my uh, on my on my offensive ability. But um, I think at this point they know I can pretty much score the ball as well. But they know I'm actually, you know, I'm gonna play defense before anything as well. So that's probably like I said that that my offense usually comes from my defense. But I'm not playing pretty good defense. If I don't think I am, my offense is not gonna be. I'm not gonna have the confidence on offense. So therefore, I feel like if I'm playing a good defense and I'm and I go out there every night and build my all on defense, you know, my offense is gonna be pretty good. Well, you're a lot of fun to watch. There's no doubt about it. My gosh, there's so much we could talk about, Al. Uh, but I, I want to go back uh, and talk to about something that uh, maybe not a lot of folks know about you. You have a, a passion and a love for teaching and kind of being, yeah. being a leader earlier and always being the one to say, let's go here, let's go, let's do this, let's do that. You have this ability to be able to really work and deal with kids. And you've actually had a stint teaching back in Chicago, maybe just a little bit about where that love of teaching comes from and, and how it is 
that you have such a good way with youth? I think um, growing up in Chicago, um, I didn't have a father figure in my life. Well, I had a father figure, but not my actual dad wasn't around. And um, growing up in Chicago, like you say, you can get into all types of troubles, right? So, and your mother can only do so much raising a boy, right? As we all know. Um, but also, as I got older, I realized, you know, that it's not a lot of male teachers in school systems as well. And the thing about this is, like, plan anything as you get older, when you realize teachers teach you to be what you become today, right? <laughs> think about it. Education. We all had to go to school, and somebody had to teach us some of the things that we, that, that we, that we know today. I mean, how to count, how to read, and things like that. So when you become an adult, you realize who gave you the opportunity to learn. Teachers did, right? So... I want to be one of those, you know, one of those adults and, you know, teach to look back when kids get older, they can realize who taught me this, who taught me that. And I want to be that kind of, you know, role model that they can look back and be like, okay, Mr. Stewart taught me this and taught me that in the classroom. Not only, you know, you can teach a person how to dribble a basketball, but I want to teach them discipline in the classroom as well. You know, as they get older, they can realize they can use some of those tools to, to count money and become what they want to be. You know what I'm saying? So, I think that's very important. I like to do that, get back into the classroom, thing like, and teach some of the things that the teachers taught me growing up. Well, it's so very so neat. That's my and passion it, right there. Yeah, it's, it's so very neat because, you know, again, for those that don't know, you know, a couple of years ago, you stepped away from basketball for a little while and you taught pre-kindergarten yeah. at Sherman Elementary School. Maybe just a couple of words about what that was like and, and what the kids are like at Sherman Elementary. Oh, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Um, uh, it was sad to say I had to leave early during that season, but my position was filling up fast, and so I had to leave to fill up out that position. Um, I went back home. It wasn't nothing I regretted or anything like that. I went back home, and um, and I loved every bit of it. Uh, working with. I didn't really think I was going to be working with the pre-K kids, but, I mean, it was a position available, which was okay with me. Um. And I loved it. I loved it. I went back and talked to kids and things like that. Um, and it was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was a dream. It was a dream, though, to be able to, you know, start kids at a young age. They was, what, four or five years old to, you know, teaching ABCs and, you know, how to write your name, how to tie your shoe and, you know, um, things like that was just, you know, just a highlight of my life. And, um, and I sad to say, after that, you know, school year, um, Budget cuts hit Chicago, hit Chicago schools. And uh, so many of us had to get laid off. We got laid off, and it was, you know, and it hurt it. It hurt it, you know what I'm saying? So it was, you know, put us on the back burner again. We had to, you know, fight for the positions again in Chicago, which is sad that so many Chicago school teachers get laid off. And so many schools is closing in Chicago when you need, you know, schools to be open, especially in the city of Chicago. How dangerous it is. You had some kids traveling you know, miles and miles away out of their, you know, out of their, out of their neighborhood to go to schools and the dropout rate increases because, you know, transportation, parents can get their kids back and forth because of the long commute. So it was, it was pretty bad, but I mean, it's, it's, it's getting better. It's getting better. And as my career is, you know, uh, coming to an end soon, I'm going to look forward to getting back in the classroom. Well, I tell you what, Al, 
Uh, I'm an old guy, way older than you, but I can still look back. <laughs> I look back at my grade school years and think of a couple of teachers who made such an impression on me and, and that I loved uh, as a teacher. And I guarantee you that you'd be one of those teachers that the kids would be like, I loved Al. I loved having Mr. Stewart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got a story to tell, right? You know, as long as you have a story to tell, kids will listen. So kids will listen. Too, kids will listen. I got kids and they're always listening to my stories, even if they're boring. <laughs> exactly right but you're a pretty interesting guy I like listening to your stories too <laughs> <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even pay you to say that <laughs> all right listen we're gonna we're gonna no. we're gonna wrap up with you shortly al but before we do uh let's do a couple of kind of rapid fire uh get to know al stewart questions okay you ready yeah i'm ready all right what's your favorite food what's your favorite place to go eat what's your favorite food when you go back home to chicago my favorite food to eat when I go back to Chicago would be Johnny's Italian beef. I don't know. Italian beef, I think it's a Chicago thing that we're known for. Um, it's a lot of places in Chicago that serve this food, this dish. But it's one place called Johnny's. It's Italian beef. It's one of the best. Um, it's in a suburban part of Chicago, maybe like 10 minutes, out, 10 or 15 minutes out of the city, um, where we all go. And actually, everybody knows my favorite. So when I come back home, if I don't go travel to get it myself, a lot of people actually bring it to me, which is a nice gift when I come back. <laughs> they, they know how much you're liking the Johnny's Italian beef. Yeah, 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 yeah. My mom, my mom is great. My mom is great. She always try to bring, bring it to me. What's your mom's name? My mom's name is Cassandra. Well, we got to give a shout she out. She actually to loves him too. She loves him too. She loves him too. She loves him too. Anytime I go, I got to make sure to bring her one. Anytime she goes, she got to make sure she bring me two. <laughs> So, I gotta get two. She can only get one. Sounds like a pretty good mom-son relationship going there. Oh, uh, we got it. We got it. So if I if I show up to her place without one, it she'll be pretty upset. So I try to eat it in the eat it in the car before I get <laughs> before I get to the house. But we kind of we kind of we kind of fix that problem. I'm just gonna bring her one back, and she kind of fixes the problem. She's gonna bring me two back every time she goes. Oh, that is great. Okay. <laughs> so food aside. What's your favorite place to go okay. visit in Chicago, whether it's a landmark, a park, but somewhere that you like to go visit mm. in Chicago just to see it? Oh, uh, a place I like to go visit. It's this place. Um, it's pretty cool. It's behind the, the, the where the um, Chicago Bears play at. They play behind. They play at Soldier Field. It's downtown near the lakefront. Very, it's, it's a place behind the Soldier Field place where, like, tourism, tourists come and see and take pictures. You can see the whole skyline in the lake, Michigan, of Chicago. It's, it's beautiful in the summertime. The, the, the summertime when it's dark, the whole city lights up. And you can take pictures. You can go back there and relax, see the waters. It's wonderful. Now, Al, it's when you go cool. back home in, uh, in the summertime, I'm going to have to uh, hopefully get you to take a picture of that and put it on your Instagram. So I will. You see it. I will. I will. I'll make sure to take a few pictures from a few different angles. I'll make sure to show you. Perfect. Now, when you're not playing basketball, which is most of the time, when you're not practicing or going over film or mm -hmm. whatever, which is most of the time, what do you like to do in mm -hmm. your downtime just to relax and to get, you know, to, to get away from basketball for a bit? What do you like to do? Is it movies? Is it TV? Is it computers? Because you mentioned like computers. Um, How do you relax? I'm actually, uh, I'm pretty, honestly, if people don't know, I'm pretty to myself, honestly. When I'm done with basketball, I don't mind relaxing in my room. Watching Netflix, watching movies. I'm a, I'm a TV person. I'm a TV person, honestly. 
Um, but also, I like to talk to my family at home. I have a daughter, obviously. Uh, I talk to her. You know, I try to talk to her every day. My mom, my brothers, uh, friends in the neighborhood. Um, and I, like I said, I, I'm a TV person. I love to watch TV. I love to watch, you know, shows on TV. I'm to Netflix big now. Uh, things like that. I kind of close my door and get a little anti-social sometimes. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, it is what it is. You know, we be around each other a lot, you know, as players. So we, we love our loan space. Uh, what's, what's, uh, now you're a TV guy. You know what, Al? I am too. I'm a, I love my TV mm-hmm. There's certain shows on Netflix, but what's, uh, like what right now would be your favorite show that if you had to sit down and, and just binge watch it, what, what would be that show? Um, I like Criminal Minds. I like Criminal Minds. Um, I like to, I like to, to think, I like to, to, to solve things. So I like to try to figure it out before they do, which is difficult on Criminal Minds, but y'all are smart. <laughs> but I like watching Criminal Minds, uh, as far as TV shows. But as far as like on Netflix, I'm into this series now called uh, Money Heist. I'm watching Money Heist. Um, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'm in the last last few episodes actually, so I'm gonna finish that probably. Actually, I'm finishing tonight because um, it's supposed to be a snowstorm, and so it gives me something to do. Yeah, it is. That's the great thing about Netflix. When there's a storm outside, you just kind of can check it out. And even if you don't have power, you can download it and watch them on your uh, laptop or whatever. Exactly. Oh yeah, there. Yeah. All right, a couple more quick ones for you, Al. So many players, when they're out during shoot-around, during warm-up, wearing the wireless headphones, wearing the Beats by Dre, whatever the case may be. My daughter's got a set of Beats mm-hmm. so I know. Did you get a tour for, you got a tour for Christmas? I did. She insisted. <laughs> there you go, there you go. I was like, I was like, honey, you've seen how much they are, right? She goes, yeah, Dad, but I need them. I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> listen, listen, but, but the reason why, let me tell you the why. I don't know if you heard of the Beats. When you listen to the beats, you hear you hear nothing else around you. So maybe she's trying to tune you out. I don't know. So you got to figure that out. I would. <laughs> I'd say she's probably enjoying the music, but a lot of it's tuning out the dad. <laughs> <laughs> so what 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 do you what do you typically like to listen to though? When you're out shooting around, kind of getting in the mood, getting in the zone. What's uh, you know what kind of music mm-hmm. is there? An artist or two that you like to listen to? Um, you know what, honestly, um. I do have my music going. Uh, it's not really a specific artist, but I have a. I just put it on shuffle. Honestly, I put it on shuffle, and it kind of just goes from there. You know, some songs that get you more hyper than, than the next songs, but you know, you kind of find the right ones that you go. But I kind of shuffle. I don't really have a playlist, but I let it just shuffle and just let it go from there. So I'm not. I'm not really a pretty superstitious guy. I just kind of let it just go. Just let it roll. I let it go. Let it roll. Let it roll. And just go from there. All right, now we mentioned your favorite food in your hometown of Chicago, the Windy City, but now in mm-hmm. Moncton, is there a go-to Uh-oh. food or a go-to place in Moncton? Is there something where, is there a place You know like, what, I'm like so happy you asked that question because as of like maybe three weeks ago, sometime in February, I went to Montana's, right, for the yep. first time. No, actually my second time, I'm sorry, but it's my second time. And I tried a... a, a what is it called? Uh, a beef brisket. Okay. A I'm... beef brisket with no mushrooms, with two cornbreads. Oh, my God. Delicious. Delicious. <laughs> my favorite. And you know what's very interesting? I'm eating it right now. No, you're not. I, I'm eating it right now. Right you're now. Beef brisket right now. Beef brisket right now. I got it out to practice. <laughs> Listen, that is, that is how I told you before we came on that this was going to be an informal, casual chat. Where else can you do an interview and eat beef brisket at the same time? I'm eating it right now. This became my favorite. <laughs> All right, listen, uh, 
We're going to wrap it up, but quickly, Al, you know, you've mentioned Mm -hmm. so many things that you've been involved in in your life, but certainly being a leader, teaching, and youth are important to you. Mm -hmm. If you could give a message right now to young people out there, whether it's young students in school or even young athletes that are coming up trying to get better and working on their game, what would be a message that you would like to give to young people? If you could give yourself a message when you were a kid, what Mm -hmm. would that message be to kids today? You know what? We talked about this in school today. Um, we go around and visit most of the schools in the Moncton area, and we talk about um, um, resilience, to be resilient. I mean, never give up, you know, difficult obstacles in your life, you know, withstand. Um, basically, just never give up. Never give up on anything you want to do, anything you want to do. Because, like I said, I didn't play basketball until I was in grade seven. And I used to always think I couldn't play because I was so short. And look at me today, two-time defensive player of the year, been playing professional basketball for 10 years. Never give up, whatever the case may be. Whatever the case may be, whether it's academics, whether it's athletic, just never give up on anything you want to do. Never let anyone discourage you. Believe in yourself, and you can do anything you want to be. Al Stewart, that is a fantastic message and a great way to finish up our interview and our podcast with you today. Thank you very much. I know the fans in Moncton are extremely happy to have you as a member of the team. Exciting things for the Magic as we get close to the playoffs. And I know tomorrow night, or excuse me, Thursday, you're going to be in Halifax. And uh, good luck getting those rebounds and getting to 1,000. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I enjoyed myself. Well, I've enjoyed having you as well. We'll have to do it again later on in the season, Al. Okay. All right. That is Al Stewart. He's a point guard and a member of the Moncton Magic. As mentioned, he's a two-times defensive player of the year, but he's been that and so much more with the Moncton Magic. And again, remember, Thursday night, they'll be on the road in Halifax taking on the Halifax Hurricanes. You can go to MonctonMagic.ca and get the link for that game. Again, thank you very much to Al Stewart. It's been a pleasure. I hope he enjoys the rest of his beef brisket. Now I'm hungry. We're going to step aside for just a second and be right back We're going to reload and be back in just a couple of minutes on the Magic Time podcast with the head coach of the Moncton Magic, Joe Salerno. We'll be right back in just a couple of minutes. Thank you for listening to the Magic Time podcast, proudly presented by Firm Foundation Media. 